Hector Neris to the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs have another late inning high leverage reliever. Is he the closer? How does he fit in with the bullpen? Let's break that down right now here on the Setup Man podcast. Setup Nation, what is going on? Kyle Stanley here, and I am excited about Hector Neris because this is a steal for the Cubs. And I, I know that a lot of people were wondering, well, what in the world? When were they going to make a move? Buster only comes out right around during CubsCon and says that the Cubs are going to be the most active team in all of the majors for the basically last, call it half or last bit of the offseason. And then nothing happens, right? And all everyone on Twitter is like, Buster was wrong. All the experts were wrong. They're not going to do anything. And, and you know, that we just have to be patient this offseason. This is a crazy, slow offseason. And so, you know, you saw David Robertson sign with the Rangers a couple days ago for, what was it, 11 or 12 million? I honestly am glad the Cubs didn't do that. I don't think that Robertson is at his peak anymore. Uh, I think his health might be an issue. And 11 or 12 million for, you know, a guy that's not going to be your closer feels. Ugh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad they didn't go for something like that. And then Neris, you know, as you're looking on Twitter from a lot of experts, this is kind of a steal. He's a veteran. We'll get into some of the numbers right now, but he's coming off his best season ever. And this is what the deal looks like. $9 million one year. It's a team option for 2025, but it converts into a player option if he appears in 60 games, which I don't think is going to be an issue at all for him. Uh, based on the last trek record of his last four or five seasons. The max incentives for both years combined a total of $23.5 million, which if he hits that, I think we're all very happy with this signing. And before we get into some of the deals here, I have to say I manifested this. I called this, <laughs> you know, it's an easy, it's easy to call your shot after the fact. But I, we we talked about this when we were looking at the overview of the bullpen about a month ago here on the channel. And then earlier this week, J.D., Jim Deshays, and I were talking about who would look good in the bullpen. And I said Hector Neris. Who's that? Give me a multiple I, choice. I really like Neris uh, with the Hector Astros. Hector Neris? Yeah. 70-plus yeah. games under two ERA each of the last three years. I Good against lefties. Yep. Yeah, good against lefties. That full episode is on the podcast or the YouTube channel, whichever way you like watching The Setup Man or listening to The Setup Man. So go check it out. And if you're not already subscribed, I mean, what in the world are you waiting for every single time we have any sort of fun stuff to talk about with the Cubs? I'm one of the first ones talking about it. So get subscribed, comment, get engaged with our content. And I hope you've been enjoying it as this is a new channel as of September of 2023. And excited to do a lot of fun things here in the season. So just make sure you're subscribed or else you're going to miss out on that. Now let's get back to Neris. And I really want to talk for a second about what this looks like in terms of the optimism of what it brings to the bullpen. So let's start with the numbers. Since 2019, not including 2020, he's pitching at least 68 games per year and at least 65 innings per season. That's great. That That's the kind of reliability that was missing from the Cubs bullpen at the end of the year. Leiter was hurt. Merriweather was really the only guy carrying the load, but that was taking a toll on him. Alzali was hurt. Michael Fulmer was hurt. He was looking like he was having peaks where it seemed like he was going to be a late innings guy. And then his forearm and some shoulder issues, everything started kind of breaking down for him. And suddenly, before you knew it, you're relying on Drew Smiley and pivotal games to get outs. And that's not a success a successful plan 
for the Cubs in 2024. And this is a step towards having a more reliable bullpen. And, and I love how now the six, seven, eighth, ninth inning all shapes out when you look at this team just with this one addition. I think it makes a huge, huge difference as long as he stays healthy, which it looks like based on his track record, he will. Last year was definitely by far his best season. You look at it, 171 ERA. He pitched in 71 games that totaled 68 and a third innings pitch. Uh, Fangraphs only had him at a 0.8 F war, which I, I, I don't know. I just don't buy that. <laughs> 1.71 ERA in 71 games. Uh, so for this one, I actually would take baseball references war, which was 2.5. I think that is a lot more reasonable. And so if he can kind of have that season again, right, then you're looking at a guy that could potentially be your eighth inning, ninth inning, and we'll talk about where I see him fitting in here in a second, but that's a major bullpen addition. This is not a Yancy Almonte, right, where it's like, hey, where does he fit in? Does he have a bounce back season? Is he okay? This is a guy that is coming with a pedigree and a resume of legitimate success recently, especially. Um, some splits that would be interesting for us to go over here really quickly. He's been with the Astros the last two years, but with Philly, the eight previous years in his eight years with the Phillies, a three forty two ERA right around three and a half strikeouts to one walk ratio, 84 saves. He had a career high in 2019 when he was the Phillies primary closer at 28 saves with the Astros. He wasn't the closer uh, because Presley was, and he's not going to win that job over Presley. But for two years, he was an incredible setup man, including last year, which we mentioned a 171 ERA, but combined the two years, 269 ERA, around the same strikeout to walk ratio as he had with the Phillies, and 141 games in those two seasons, combining for 133 and two-thirds innings pitch. Again, reliability and results is what we're looking for at the back end of the bullpen, and then that, that seems to be exactly what the Cubs are going to get with Naris. The other great thing about Naris is you can kind of see him like a lighter junior. He's not a left-handed pitcher. He's a right-handed pitcher, but his splits against lefties are great. They're not better, right? Lighter's splits typically have been better against lefties than righties because of that nasty split and how it breaks away from a lefty. But Naris has similar splits in his left-handed batters versus right-handed batters. As you can see up on your screen, if you're watching on YouTube, if not, I'll read this off for you. Right-handed batters, a 204 E or 204 average left-handed batters, a 223 average. So 19 points higher against lefties, but the slug and the OPS are very similar slug 361 against righties, 364 against lefties, the OPS three, sorry, 637 against righties and 677 against lefties. So in his career, doesn't really matter who's pitching or who's, sorry, who's batting against him, he's going to get the outs. So you think about, right, um, guys like Wisniewski, right? He was pumping 98 at the end of the season, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, this guy could be a back end of the bullpen guy. Well, he still hasn't proven that he can get lefties out where Naris absolutely has. And he's been doing it for years and years and years with a total of 10 years under his belt with the Phillies and the Astros. Now, some things I love about this signing as we just go through this really quick, the additional high leverage reliever that the Cubs have needed. 
Michael Fulmer, missing him, even if he was in this bullpen, I'd still want Naris because Fulmer last year up and down, and really at best you felt comfortable with him in the seventh inning, not any later than that. This gives the, the Cubs a competitive advantage when you compare this roster now to 2023, right? Everyone wants to compare 2024 to 2023 and comparing, hey, this team won 83 games in 2023. Now where are they at in 2024? I think Naris takes him up a couple wins. I do. I, I think this makes the bullpen a lot better. I think because of his high leverage experience, he's going to be a guy that fits in and makes you a little less on edge at the end of ball games here in 2024. He's not a flamethrower, okay? He he has been pretty much in the past, but this last year, velocity went down a little bit, but 93 on the average fastball, but he was in the 97th percentile, according to Baseball Savant, for hard hit rate against in 2023, and the 92nd for exit velocity. So you love seeing that soft contact at the end of games, uh, has always been a strike thrower, Someone messaged me uh, in the in on Twitter and said I get Carlos Marmol vibes. I don't get that at all with Naris. You know, Marmol was like for every two strikeouts he's walking one or one and a half batters, and it was like you didn't know how the guy was going to get any outs, but you knew that no one was going to get a hit off him, and unlikely that the ball was going to be put in play. With Naris, the ball's going to be put in play a little bit more, but it's going to be soft contact, and he's going to throw a lot more strikes. Hey, Setup Nation, I'm taking a quick break to ask you a favor. I know it's annoying when an ad pops up right in the middle of an interview or a podcast, but hear me out. This show is an absolute passion for me, but I don't just do it for me. I do it for you too, and that's why I want to hear from you. Please either A, leave a review with your favorite part of this show, or B, please email me your feedback. My goal is to make this show as solid as possible, so I want to give you the content that you are craving. You can send that email to kyle at setupman.net. Again, that's kyle at setupman.net. Thanks so much for the support. Now let's get back to the show. And again, when we look at replacing people on the roster, earlier this season, Shota Minaga replaced Marcus Stroman. Now you have Michael Bush, who's probably replacing like a Matt Mervis or a Patrick Wisdom over at first base, upgrading there. And if the Cubs get Bellinger, that's you know bringing back the bat that is needed. But when we look at replacing Michael Fulmer in the bullpen, this is a major upgrade and should yield more results here in 2024. So those are the three things I really like about this deal. There's three things that are making me a little bit weary. Okay, Number one is age. He's 34 years old. Typically, pitcher gets to 32, 33 years old. You start to see a little bit of a downturn. His ERA was incredible the best of his career this last year which might be an indicator of why the fastball velocity was down he was one of the top again according to baseball savant he was one of the top pitchers in baseball with fastball run this year and when you see a fastball go down in velocity that's number two here that i'm kind of concerned about is fastball velocity was down one and a half miles per hour in 2023 compared to 2022 and years before but that might have actually helped him out in this season in 2023 because he was getting a lot less hard contact, a lot less, uh, a lot lower exit velocity against batters, right? And so that might have worked in his favor, but you don't want to see that trend continue. And then lastly, until this last year, his career ERA was 346. So he was serviceable, but he wasn't a really like locked down eighth inning, ninth inning guy. So in 2023, that's exactly who he was. Is that the outlier? Is he going to end his career being the lockdown guy? 
or is he going to go back to the way that he was in the previous seasons were kind of mid three ERA. So I want to know, do you think that Hector Neris is the closer for the Cubs in 2024? Let's talk about that for a second. Comment below. Let me know what you think. Currently, the way that it stands, I think Alzali has earned that job. He saved 20 games in a row last year. He, aside from some injuries, was solid. Uh, he had a small sample size, but to me, this is his job to lose right now. And Naris hasn't been a closer since 2019. He had a great year with the Phillies that year in 2019 when he saved a career-high 28 games. But since then, he's really proven himself as a seventh, eighth-inning guy. And for that reason, I think that's where he's going to be. I think he's going to be a, a an incredible setup man, which just gives a lot more security to this bullpen. But if Alzali gets hurt, can he jump in as a closer? Absolutely. Heck, Merriweather had a couple saves last year as well. I see this team now having three potential closers, which is a great problem to have. And this has really been where Craig Council is used to, right? He had Hayter and Devin Williams for a while in that bullpen. And these are not Hayter and Devin Williams types of pitchers, but you know that Devin Williams, when Hayter was there, could be slotted in in the ninth inning and save a game just as well as Hayter could. And I feel that way now when you look at this with Merriweather, Alzali, and Naris. If one of them is pitched three days in a row, if one of them is dealing with fatigue, if one of them you know has any sort of illness going on, any one of those three could slot in and this just provides so much more depth from the bullpen. Last year, it was Alzali, and then at the end of the season, it was Merriweather. If anyone else was closing a game, you were biting your nails, you were on edge, especially if it was Michael Fulmer, especially if it was uh, Leiter Jr. Those guys, <laughs> I had no confidence in a ninth inning save from them. Great sixth and seventh and eighth inning guys, but when it came to locking down the final three outs, those weren't the guys that I wanted in there. I look at these three guys and I say, you know, Merriweather, Naris, or Alzali could be a closer, and I would be pretty confident that that ninth inning is going to get locked down. But I want to take a look at the overall bullpen look right now, and there's a lot to like about this bullpen. There's a ton of depth. Something tells me that we're going to be seeing a trade come through with a number of the guys in the bullpen right now. I can't see the Cubs carrying more than eight bullpen guys, and really seven is probably going to be uh, where we look at, especially with Shota and Managa coming into this rotation. It's likely that they're going to go to a six-man rotation more often. So for that reason, you know, especially if there's not off days, if there's 15 games in a row, I don't see Shota pitching three of those 15 games. I see him pitching two of those and probably bringing in a guy like Assad to – come in and start a game. And so that takes a bullpen arm away from you during those stretches. So you got Alzali, you got Merriweather, Leiter Jr., Almonte, Neris, Luke Little, Jose Quas, Drew Smiley, Javier Assad, Daniel Palencia, and Hayden Wisniewski. We don't even have Keegan Thompson on this list just due to the year that he had last year. That's 11 guys for what should end up being a seven or eight man bullpen. So if it were up to me, I think that, you know, Wesneski has high upside. I think we might one day regret trading him, but I just don't see the role right now. I don't see where he fits with the the team, given the fact that he has not proven that he can get left-handers out. And he's had flashes of greatness at the in the starter role back in 2022. He didn't really have that in 23. And he had a few flashes in 23 of being a flamethrower at the end of the the game a couple times, 98 hit 98, which was great to see, but is that sustainable? 
there's just too many question marks around him. I think probably Wisniewski and probably Quas and Smiley are the guys that you just look at right now and say, how do they really fit into this bullpen now, especially with the addition of Almonte and now Nara. So ideally to start the season, just like I mentioned earlier, I think Alzali is the closer to at least start. Nara's coming in in the eighth inning, Merriweather in the seventh inning, Lighter is going to be uh, a, probably a sixth, maybe seventh inning guy every once in a while, especially situationally against lefties. And then you've got Almonte, Luke Little, Javier Assad, and either Palencia or Wisniewski, depending on where Wisniewski is at. I see one of them being kind of that last addition to the bullpen if we go with eight men. So where does this leave the team now? You've got Imanaga replacing Stroman. The starting rotation feels and looks like it's set. First and third base really still are the question mark. Yes, Michael Bush is over here from the Dodgers. And yes, you keep hearing first base. I I don't necessarily want to rule out third base for Michael Bush. I know everyone keeps on saying, you know, he could be, I'm seeing people say he's the next Anthony Rizzo. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on it. But what I can say is what if Matt Mervis has an incredible spring and the Cubs have nothing to do except for say you, we have to find this guy a spot in the lineup. Along with Canario, are they going to go back and forth at DH? I don't know. I, I could see Michael Bush being slotted over to third base, putting Mervis at first, and now you've got Canario and Morell as DHs. Morell, you know, going in at third base every once in a while, first base every once in a while, the outfield every once in a while. If, if Nico is hurt, put him at second base. That's an easy decision. I, I think when it comes down to all of those decisions, there's going to be a lot of flexibility if Mervis plays well. And then Cody Bellinger, right? Cody Bellinger signs. Now you're wondering, okay, is Pete Crow Armstrong the center fielder or is Cody Bellinger at center field or is he at first base? There's just so many different pieces here. And so I think the biggest question mark is, does Cody Bellinger sign? It has been now, gosh, three months since we've been into the offseason. We kind of assumed that Bellinger was probably going to be late January, early February when he signed. Is it going to be with the Cubs? I don't know. But I do know that if he is not, there's going to be way more question marks on this team than if he does sign. And for that reason, you see Dansby Swanson at CubsCom talk about, we need to sign Belly. Man, if we have Bellinger with the addition of Naris, Imanaga, and Bush, I feel like at this point, you can say 88 wins for this team, no problem. Vegas odds right now have the Cubs being the team to beat in the Central. I don't necessarily agree with that. I do think that when it comes down to Vegas odds, uh, they they said that the Cubs were the second most likely as well to get Otani, and I didn't believe that either. So there's a lot of question marks on this team, but there's a lot less question marks if Cody Bellinger signs. And for that reason, I feel pretty good at 88 wins if this team does get Cody Bellinger. If they don't, you know, we're going to probably be looking at needing another bat and I'm convincing myself into 88 wins instead of easily getting 88 wins. What do you think? Who is the next signing? Is it Bellinger? If it's not, who else is still needed on this team? Comment below. We're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. I'm excited about Hector Neris. I hope you are too. I would love to know your thoughts on this signing. Make sure that you go ahead and pitch in and comment down below. Subscribe if you're listening on the podcast review. That's going to do it for me right now here on the Setup Man podcast. I'm going to go put my arm on ice, Setup Nation. We'll see you next time. <laughs>